Um, my name is Jolene, and I am joined today by my partner, George, again. Hello, everybody. <laughs> um, and while he's not a costume designer, I am a costume designer still. But we do have a shared love of horror and fashion history. Well, mostly for me, that you love fashion history. Um, and But it has brought us together this evening to deep dive the horror genre, going behind the scenes to uncover, understand, and analyze iconic horror characters, costumes, and their designers that are simply to die for. So on today's episode of To Die For, we are going to be talking about all of the costume design nominees for the 2022 Fangoria Chainsaw Awards. And I'm so excited because this is the first year that we have ever had a costume design category. So this is the inaugural year. Um, and there's some heavy hitters on that list. Yeah. Um, first off, it's good to be back. <laughs> Always got to see you all the time, but it's good to be back here on the podcast talking to your fans and fellow, I guess, aficionados for all things costume and horror. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is looking like an exciting little little event, little gathering for our kind. Yeah, so the event premieres, that'll be tomorrow, May 15th on Shutter TV. Uh, at 7 p.m., there is a pre-show at 6 p.m. Uh, that they're doing for the award ceremony, but the actual award ceremony will be Sunday night, which is tomorrow again at 7 p.m. So tune in, or then that's 7 p.m. Eastern. So tune in, and um, they've been sending out little play-along ballots. So we've got ours. We're having a watch party, and um, I don't know. We'll see who. Who has the most wins by the end of the night? I'm curious. I I am curious also. There is a lot of variety, though, which is, I think, nice to see in this kind of thing. You think back to the more obvious events that go on with uh, Hollywood. It's a lot of obvious names that show up repeatedly. But I feel like looking at, at the list, we, we've got a lot of choices, which is, it's great for us. Yeah. And what's really cool about the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards and what Phil... Uh, spoke about in his Tara Teltype this morning uh, that went out was that this is completely chosen by the fans. So the fans vote in on their favorites in each category. And so whoever wins is completely fan chosen, which is awesome. And that does not happen in a lot of awards. I mean, that happens like in the People's Choice Awards, but mm -hmm. that's, I don't know, that's MTV. So I don't know how the inner workings of that go. <laughs> it's definitely gotten weirder. They don't do music much anymore. If anyone <laughs> yeah. stopped to look at it, so yeah. good work, everyone. We <laughs> we did this. What we're gonna watch tomorrow? It's part of the community and it's for the community. So, again, good work, team. Yeah. So we're just gonna go. Um, we've got the little ballot pulled up in front of us, and we're just gonna go down each movie, and we're gonna um just going to talk about the costumes and I love talking to non-costume designers about costumes because I'm always curious about what I call them muggles but let's call them yeah let's call them muggles um non-artists <laughs> although George is an artist but in a different way um what they see and what they pick up from costumes so first we have Candyman who is costumed by Lizzie Cook. She is the designer for this. The original costume designer for Candyman was Leonard Pollock. And I have to say, I think Lizzie did an incredible job. Um, paid quite a few homages to the original film with the jacket on Candyman. Absolutely. But then there was some 
obviously modern choices because this one takes place now. The original was 92. So yeah, what were your, what were your thoughts? Because we, we watched this one together and we really yeah. liked this one. Yeah, I think Candyman was a strong one for, for the year in regards to the costuming. I'd say, like you mentioned, it has a lot of callbacks. It's very reverential mm. of the source material and it's important when you're doing a remake or a reboot, anything along those lines. Make it unique, make it your own, but show love and show respect to the original source material, which I think was done expertly in this movie. Yeah. Um, I liked the use of texture and color that they had sprinkled throughout the movie. The first one, the original Candyman felt very um, dark to me because... Well, I mean, obviously, we have an updated version of the story. So the original one takes place in Cabrini Green, which is a project. So right there, the the setting of the movie is quite dilapidated. It's a little dirtier. It's um, just it's a different space because the city of Chicago is in a different place than where it is today. So now that Cabrini Green is a high rise condominium complex and you definitely have seen the wealth shift um you see this like high art space that our main characters are in because he is an artist and his girlfriend is a curator so there's a lot of metallics in this movie which is really cool a lot of use of mirrors in this movie which is really cool that play into not only the costuming but the way the story is told um got of course he's an artist so we got to put him in a little beanie Beanie equals artist. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> His attire, very hip, very, yeah. very Brooklyn, Williamsburg. They took the aesthetic or the, the look of a hipster and they did it kind of to the T, which yeah. was appropriate for the, the characters and just the degradation yeah. from the beginning of, to to the end. Yeah. Um, not a lot of floral motifs in this movie, which is understandably so because there's no... Um, our, our protagonist is a male, so there isn't that triumphant, um, like, hard versus soft, feminine versus masculine undertone to the character. Like, he is very masculine as a character. Um, but they do accessorize um, in different ways on the different characters. They use jewelry. They use, again, those metallics reflecting in the mirrors and and everything so um yeah i thought i thought a very well done lizzie cook very well done i do agree i if i recall now we saw these again it's been an, a little while we saw these yeah. in theaters but one of the things that you pointed out that i i recall that stood out was the lead costume would shift in the sense that they always had a splash of, I think it may have been red. Oh, the yellow. Oh, yeah. oh, yes, the red, the red, yeah. Yeah, and it was always not in the forefront, mm-hmm. but it was kind of always there or part of it, and it didn't it grow, possibly? Mm-hmm. In a sense, just as, again, like I mentioned, the degradation. Yeah. As the story progressed, he was getting kind of grodier and a little more just disheveled and, and insane as... Yeah. The was an infection. I don't even know what we want to call it at this point. Yeah, I don't. I, I possession maybe. I, I mean, it's. I think it's the like 
idea of I, I think I'm going to go with possession for this one because it's mm-hmm. the idea that like the folklore is continuing yeah. through this this main guy as the catalyst but um but Candyman is a real person in this movie as opposed to the complete right the complete folklore in the original although they do touch on the original folklore and then they have that beautiful puppetry sequence which is really nice yeah that was a nice touch that was fantastic work um careful out there you do not want to get stung by any bees especially if you're allergic which (laughs) he may have been this might have just been a movie that played as a warning to people with allergies yeah but um good work Nia DaCosta and good work Lizzie Cook on your designs for Candyman um, and if you want further reading on this, I did a little, uh, like kind of little, little blurb about this on my blog, um, a while back about making an icon and about the coat. So if you want kind of some further deep dive into that, head over to hang by a thread, uh, on my website. And then, you know, then you have to add the comment, like subscribe. No, please don't do that. I mean, read it, but like, you don't need to do all those other things. <laughs> so the, um, next one we're going to get into is um last night in soho um which was designed by and you have the pronunciation it's odile yes or i believe it is odile Odile. dix moreau apologies if i'm wrong uh i looked it up on the internet okay so odile dix moreau so this is our only true period piece that we have on the list i mean yeah prisoners of ghostland loosely but um this is they are true period piece it is set in the 60s and it tells us that we're half in the 60s we're half uh out in the world today and um first of all i just i want to comment the the opening sequence with that paper dress i I, I was blown away you were (laughs) mouth agape and i was loud gasp it was definitely a reaction when we saw it yeah because um not only was it very well done but she Odile, I'm assuming I'm pronouncing your name right, um, designed it in such a way that whoever physically sewed this together made it mobile or mobile because we're in England. And um, the lead actress was able to dance around her room in this paper dress, which is incredible because garments like that, um, they're very delicate. I will say, though, it is a really nice nod to... There was this strange trend in like 1964 through like 66, 67, where paper dresses were in vogue. Hmm. And um, there's a lot of great videos of women wearing these paper dresses to a park or a beach and using them as cover-ups. And then they would take them off and then they would have their bikinis underneath and then they would sunbathe and then they would just chuck the dresses in the trash. And they were just showing like paper dresses. I don't know if it was like a futuristic thing. There was this definitely a very huge space age push in that time too, especially oh, yeah. around um, 2001's A Space Odyssey. But there was this all this future quote unquote designing that was happening in the 60s. So I liked that little nod, even though the silhouette of this paper dress was about um, mid 50s. There was a nice little nod to a paper dress from the 60s. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, First off, huge fan of Edgar Wright. Shaun of the Dead is probably one of my favorite <laughs> movies of all time. Um, I think, again, based off what you were telling me, they hit the mark pretty pretty spot on in terms of just accuracy and 
everything looked cool, everything looked slick, didn't matter which timeline you were in, they were able to make it visually interesting between the costuming and just the direction and, and the lighting, everything just coalesced really nicely in that film. Yeah. So when we enter the world into the 60s dream sequences, it is very, um, it's shiny, it's um, colorful. There's a lot of flowing movement pieces. Um, Anya has that beautiful pink baby doll dress, which is pleated that she does in one of the dance sequences. It's so beautiful. And then when we cut back to reality, um, I noticed that a lot of the color palette was very dark. It's a lot of jeans. There's a lot of denim. There's a lot of knits. Um, yeah, especially in the bar. Yeah, especially in the bar, um, which was really cool to to see the the differentiation between the two of them, where you were getting colors in palettes for one world that you weren't getting in another world. And I think that's really important to kind of to show us these two worlds that are coexisting within this woman's mind, but also not existing. Yeah. So. But you could tell where the the line was. It didn't really. It blurred when it needed to. Yeah. But you always knew which timeline or, or what era you were in. Yeah. And um yeah and I I loved this sequences um in the vintage shop as well using those vintage pieces when she starts really buying vintage pieces and she buys the coat for real. You had fun there. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um and I've been to some vintage shops in London and like we have good vintage shops in this country but there's just something about London vintage stores that is just so good and there's a a small trend I guess I mean it's been two movies that we've seen from 2021 so far that have done this but like it happened in Cruella and it happened in this one I was gonna say yeah similar vibes in terms of again yeah similar subject matter all not all but both of those were about costuming or or designing clothing right right because um our main character is a fashion design major and she is a bit of an outcast and she makes all of her own clothing and she kind of gets made fun of for not knowing these big brands when she goes to away to school in the big city which is bullshit yeah she looked awesome she did yeah um and she gets teased a little bit for making her own clothes but i i feel like though now i didn't go to fashion school i went to theater school where everybody made their own shit all the time and everybody was like that's so cool but i I don't know. I feel like as a fashion design major, if somebody was making their own clothing, I don't think I would make fun of them. I mean, that's a that's a very viable skill. They, they were petty. Yeah. I also want to commend her for falling asleep in the really loud, na- noisy dorm room with her headphones on. But like, I would never fall asleep in a party like that. No, my my trust in no. people would need her long. No. Um. Yeah, so there's a lot of um, really nice uses of textures in this movie. Um, we see, like you were saying about the pub scenes, where you're getting a lot of those sweaters, and then we have that older character that may or may not be Matt Smith, may or may not be the cop. So there's that nice twist at the end, but he's in a really nice tweed and um, a nice tie and a nice suit the whole movie every time we see him, even though he's a little kind of off his rocker we we think at one point he's homeless and then it's alluded to us that he might be matt smith and then the twist happens at the end so um yeah 
Oh, okay. Yeah, my grandmother went to the bingo hall a lot mm. at the Polish 
at church. <laughs> she played a lot of bingo. Um, yeah, I, I loved this movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. I, I thought each character had, and Yulin spoke to this as well, that they each had their own distinct voice and style that you can clearly see in our five protagonists, oh, yeah. like older um, people. And um, yeah, I, I she did such a good job. I'm just so, in, I, I feel so bad because now we kind of, no Yulin so but like I could I'm just so in awe of her and I don't want to fangirl her all the time but she she does such good work um and it's, it's so impressive so yeah I loved that lived in quality and I loved the contrast between the 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 older people and Mr. Big of this like like skeezy and kind of he's slick and he's a little bit um Bit of a, grifter. a little bit yeah he's a grifter and he's got this like this southern slick that's the, i guess because of the cowboy hat but like yeah. he's not a tie guy he's like a bolo guy he's like a open neckline guy because yeah. oh yeah, yeah the frame of the, the actor is richard richard blake is it oh, i yeah. believe his name is um but his frame is already so small that like you don't want and like yulin was saying you don't want to hide his frame or hide his collarbone and like his facial expressions, I've seen him in Rob Zombie movies too. Like they're just, he's just such a good actor that like he creates this, this, um, he has a cousin. He does. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. So, uh, I think that coupled with the, this like warm texture of these older people trying to save their town and just, just, yeah. yeah. Uh, older members of the cast were a lot of layers you got a lot of design and patterns and big kind of like scarfs and things when then you look at him Mm -hmm. and again he i recognize that so like i'm like i'm a skinny person so it (laughs) it cuts a shape that's very distinct so everyone else is kind of heavier and take they take more space in the frame whereas him you see that figure and it's stark and it's Mm -hmm dark and dangerous and it's always kind of it's foreboding right yeah and i like that like i like that that where you i like how you said that they take up more of the frame because it kind of allows him as a character to to kind of sneak in and infiltrate this town and um throw up a a disguise to get them to trust him and literally throw up in some cases right (laughs) right (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, I loved all of the use of the sweaters and the knits in this movie. Um, Yulin said that they made a lot of the pieces by hand. They thrifted some pieces and upcycled pieces, and um, it shows. Like, the care and the craft that went into this movie really shows. And this is the movie on our list that has the smallest budget. And it was a it was a Blumhouse film, but it was a Blumhouse film for straight to streaming, so it never got a theater release. Which is a shame because I would love to see a theater release of this. Yeah, it would have. Yeah. It's an option that you guys voted for. Yeah. And it definitely deserves your attention. So I'm glad it's there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Bingo Hell. Um, so next, I know we're going through these kind of fast, but we just wanted to give you, you know, like a little overview for for some more in depth. Um, oh, uh, another plug. I've also done another uh, blog post about Bingo Hell. So if y'all want a more in-depth look into some of those characters some more. Um, you can listen to our episode with Yulin that came out in February. 
I'm sorry, it came out in March. Um, and that, and that's in our backlog. And then you can go back to hang by a thread. And, um, I did a little, a little post about bingo hell. Yeah. And it's good to have so many options from, I can listen to you. I can talk to you. I can just see you in person. I can read and I still hear your voice on all different mediums. And then you wake up and you hear my voice and then we're making dinner. And, and you hear <laughs> it's everywhere. It's constant. <laughs> Thanks, honey. Okay, so next up we have um, one of our favorites because you were here for the Nick Cage episode. So this has got our man Cage. Oh yeah, we're back. Yeah, we're back with Prisoners of Ghostland, which we kind of talked about. Uh, we touched on in our yeah. Nicholas Cage episode. Um, and this one is costume designed by, and you can pronounce this way better, so I'm going to let you do it. Possibly. Possibly. Again, the internet helped me, hurt me, <laughs> who knows. Uh, Chiko Matsumoto. Chiko Matsumoto. Uh, yeah, so he designed Prisoners of Ghostland, which um, was so, was such an interesting film. Like, it was not what I was expecting when we watched it. We have only seen it that one time. I don't know if you've watched it a second time. I've only seen it the one time. Not yet, but okay. it's one that is due for a repeat. Yeah, and there's just so many layers to it. Yeah, and I, I yeah. think that is a problem. Yeah. Layers in terms of the story and what's going on in the world, but the costumes as well. Yeah. Plenty of variety that you see in the flashbacks when he's in the wasteland. Yeah. Especially in the wasteland with just the rags and the, just the ribbons, bandages, the yeah. the porcelain masks, everything. Yeah, so we have three distinct worlds that we kind of coexist in in this movie where you have the opening sequence and our flashback sequences to that bank robbery. Mm-hmm. That is, Nicolas Cage and his partner are in all black, and everybody else in the bank is in some type of color block, monochrome, so, like, you have a guy in a red suit, but all three pieces of his suit are red. And then you have the little boy in the yellow, yeah. and all of his pieces are yellow. And so you have, but in a very white room. Yeah, it's uh, the bingo hell logic. Yeah. Know, they cut a silhouette that makes him stand out instantly in the frame. Yeah. And then you have this samurai western village that Bill Mosley, uh, who is the mayor, operates and is has kept Nicolas Cage's character a prisoner of. And then you have the ghost land, which is this post-apocalyptic, like stuck in a time loop, stuck in, in something where we're talking about atomic weaponry. We're talking about war. We're talking about all of these like um, famine and all of these things. And that is, so you have very, three very distinct worlds in in this movie. And it's, I mean, just the the sheer amount of extras. This was no small feat, and I, Chico, 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 Chico. I think. Sorry, so I'm so sorry. Um, I, I think they did a, an incredible job at keeping the worlds clean and concise, and then costuming the volume of people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yes, and then you have Nicolas Cage in the suit that has the bombs on him at very specific points on his body. Watch the movie. <laughs> yeah. So that was really cool. Um, yeah, there's, I, okay, so let's, let's, so we talked about the color blocking in the opening sequence and the flashback sequences. And then, so then we have this like Western um, samurai village. So it looks like 
I mean, it looks like a, a very traditional Japanese village where you have the pagoda buildings, you have the lanterns hanging from the streets in between the houses. Yeah. Um, you know, you have the sliding doors and I, I'm sorry if I don't know the proper names for a lot of the architecture, but you have a very, t very distinguished Japanese style of architecture yeah. happening in this town. And, and a lot of the people are wearing kimonos. A lot of the men and the women, they're all wearing kimonos. Um, you're seeing a lot of samurai swords. You're seeing that like old Kung Fu movie, aesthetic and then you yeah. have bill mosley who's in all white and he's a cowboy he's like a sheriff and he's the classic kind of like yeah type character another thing on top of that because it is western spaghetti western inspired you have a dustiness to all of it yeah which is an interesting choice to put him in all white because, but it, that's such a very distinct characteristic for villains. I love when they put villains in mm. all white because you'll put rich people and villains in all white because there's this idea of untouchability that they'll never get dirty. Even when they kick the soccer ball to him at that one point, he kind of picks his foot up and like shuns away from the dust that, and then, and all of this that's coming up out of the ground. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that was a really interesting choice. And I liked that choice a lot. And, and Bill Mosley's great in this movie and, I've heard that he's a very nice person in real life, but he's very sleazy in this movie. <laughs> I mean, he, he does it well. And like you mentioned, rich people, villains, mm -hmm. coincidence. Mm. Well, maybe not all rich people are villains, but... At least in this case. That's true. In this case, it is. And in the case of a lot of our country, but that's a discussion <laughs> for another day. <laughs> um, and then you have the ghost land, which is this way station of spirits, this a post-apocalyptic space where people are living and they're kind of hoveling out parts of this mountain and yeah. are living in shanty towns and um there's a lot of gray in this a, a lot more dust from the atmosphere oh yeah Just yeah bombed out ruins it's yeah. very mad max or fallout yeah so it's a lot of the costumes and the clothing it's it feels like it's whatever they could find left over out there to yeah. to make what they're wearing. Yeah. A lot of the um, costumes and the storytellers, so you've never seen The Wiz. The Wiz is one of my favorite movies, but um, <laughs> we'll watch it. It's very long. <laughs> um, but there's this one character that is following the four of them around uh, Manhattan on the Yellow Brick Road. And he's, I think he's, he's supposed to be a homeless man. And he's got like his... Oh, you me oh my gosh, he's so creepy, but he's got the, the multiple layers of the hats and the coats and the, and the fingerless gloves. And a lot of these characters reminded me of that character. Mm. And there was this eeriness to all of them. And then when they start this whole storytelling sequence, you it's so beautiful. But like, yeah, and, and we need a second watch because there's there was so much in just that scene alone that you're grasping at and you're trying to absorb. And you're like, wait, I need I need more. Yeah. Because it is, it's a beautiful and slightly unhinged film. Yeah. There's a humor to it mm -hmm. and just kind of like a, a dry, black kind of wit to mm -hmm. it. It's just, it's a, I'm at a loss for words. Again, I'm trying to find something to, to grasp onto. <laughs> There's so much going on. And as always, Nicolas Cage himself kind of shows up and he takes your breath away. He does. He always does. 
he can he wears it well. He wears the pleather bomb suit very well. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just hope that he recovers from it. <laughs> because possibly real? If not it looks very real. <laughs> Yeah, so this one's a good one. We highly recommend it. Um, I think it's still on Shudder. So uh, definitely, definitely watch this movie. Um, and yeah, and then so our last movie that we're going to talk about, uh, we had a lot of fun watching, oh, yeah. is the remake of Slumber Party Massacre, costume designed by Neil McLean, the original costume designer for Slumber Party Massacre. So this is one of those ones from the 80s that didn't have a specific costume designer. It had a wardrobe woman, but her name was Jeanette uh, Scouten. And um, we also saw the original Slumber Party Massacre with Grady Hendrix when he was doing his Final Girl support group uh, reading. Um, So to see it so close to when we watched this one was really nice because we kind of got a nice little contrast. Yeah, the timing was yeah. Definitely perfectly done on our part. Um, again, this was another one, just like Candyman, that was in that reboot, remake, yeah. reimagining territory. So it's important to respect your ancestors. Yeah. And Her Space Baby was saved. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Neil McLean did a fantastic job doing that. Yeah. A lot of callbacks and appreciation and love for what came before it and what set the foundation for it. Yeah, so our driller killer is still in the the Canadian tuxedo, so the denim so on denim on denim. Um, he's got the slick back hair. The actor kind of looks like the original driller killer, but the girls, I mean, it's all sleepwear, but the girls are pretty much in all new sleepwear except the space baby shirt from the original which got saved which fun fact we learned that is grady hendrick's favorite shirt in the whole oh, show yeah. I mean, the whole it, movie it's just one of those old designs that's like <laughs> it's great yeah piece and you don't think about it yeah. until you watch and you're like that that's not normal anymore no it just doesn't show up no one wears something that says space baby no but i will say in the original she was wearing it with uh, wide-legged trousers and suspenders to school and in this new version she's wearing it to sleep in so it does I mean yes in the original she was wearing it out as day wear but it does read more as sleepwear so I do yeah. like that they made it some sleepwear but you know I love some sleepwear and horror um, did, a, did a whole piece for Fango about sleepwear and horror and um, how just so much fun it is because you have these really thin garments, these very breathable garments that are literally just meant just to keep our bodies covered while we're sleeping. But, uh, you know, sleeping is such a vulnerable state that now murder and all of this mayhem is happening around <laughs> a, such a gentle time of night, I guess, unless, you, you know, unless you're, you have, what is it called? Um, insomnia. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. Yeah, the outfits are meant to look kind of fun and flighty. Yeah. They're young women and they're doing naughty things. They're out in the woods having fun. Yeah. And it's basically almost a summoning or an invitation for our our killer to, to come in with his big, massive drill. Bingo. <laughs> so what did you think of the 
reimagining of this story. I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with this one. This was, even though the first one was written and directed by a woman, um, this one still had so much female gaze and it had like a 21st century female yeah. gaze versus the 20th century female gaze, which is still great. This one was low-key awesome because I went into it. It's a sci-fi film, if I'm correct. Yeah. Sci-fi has a connotation. <laughs> uh, their quality kind of fluctuates pretty hard. But this one, yeah, they definitely had fun with. And that twist in the end of, again, won't say much to it. Yeah. But if you haven't seen it, it takes the script. or Again, it takes what the original one did. And it remolds it for modern times. And so we still get the the fun girls having fun. But it's really, that movie is about the guys. Yeah, we get a shirtless men having a pillow fight scene, which has never oh, happened in a movie before. But I, I like the little homage that they made to the second Slumber Party Massacre where the boys are spying on the girls. Um, and they have this, like, weird pillow fight <laughs> moment and then like one of them takes her top off and because women do this at slumber parties i guess not in any slumber parties i went to i won't confirm nor deny what my slumber parties were like <laughs> but they were very similar yeah just watch yeah. the movie and decide for yourself i'll i'll let it be at you know viewer or listeners discretion okay yeah this is a fun one so we we do have equal parts sleepwear and daywear um it was a a modern film but uh that does not diminish the job that was done because there's still a lot of work that goes into modern just everyday wear choices for these characters and there was a lot of use in our main girl with army greens which is you know very akin to like she was getting ready to go into battle she knew she was going into battle then we have you know we've got these hipster guys with the beanies and so hunky so hunky <laughs> like children i mean they probably are children or they're like you know 24 but <laughs> yeah um yeah i liked this one i had such a good time watching this one i did too yeah i think this is one of those cases because it's a modern movie same thing like candy man or even you know bingo hall or last night so all yeah. of them it's a lot, and it has to do of more so, you, or sorry, you always talk about how even these kinds of movies, the costuming is super important because every piece is an extension of the personality, which this movie gets right. And like you are saying, she dressed in a certain way, mm-hmm. and it's meant to evoke and imply a certain mindset or a certain personality. Yeah. Yeah. So who out of this list do you think? Or would you like to see win? Do you have a favorite out of the list? Or I'm torn because, again, this was one of those yeah. nomination lists where everything's really good. Yeah. And I know everyone's always a sucker for a, a period piece film. So I think I would go with Last Night in Soho because, again, yeah. Edgar Wright, brilliant. Yeah. Love his work. And, again, I like the contrast i liked being able to have one foot in one era and another foot in the other and have a couple of really solid solid jump scares along the way yeah i so my favorite obviously was bingo hell 
Um, so I would love that to win. But I also remember how much buzz there was on Twitter when Slumber Party Massacre came out. So mm-hmm. I can also see that being a really strong contender. So because that one got a lot of love in the on the the Twitter yeah. on the internet sphere, um, and rightfully so. So I love Bingo Hell was my favorite, but I can also see Slumber Party Massacre winning. Yeah, I can see that. Or yeah. Candyman, because Candyman just did so well in theaters. I give them all money. <laughs> <laughs> we we have some obvious options, and then yeah. you have a couple of dark horses. So yeah. again, this is voted by the fans, yeah. and whichever one gets chosen. Congratulations in advance, but the fact that they are all listed and getting that recognition is important and we need to kind of keep doing that. And it's cool to see that. And again, the list for best costume design for everything that's going to be shown on Sunday, there's so much variety. So it's worth it to just kind of, if you didn't see a movie, take the time and and go catch up on it. Because I know I definitely will for a couple of these. Yeah. And um, if you're listening to this podcast, when it comes out on Saturday, you know, the Saturday, the day before, you have about 24 hours to watch as many movies as possible. So go. Marathon. <laughs> get some coffee, get some snacks and go to town. Well, thank you, George, for joining me um, on this week's episode. Um, Emma had some personal stuff that she had to take care of, but we definitely wanted to get an episode out to you guys. Uh, because the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards are a huge deal. And um, these were some great costumes, so we wanted to highlight those for y'all. So thank you, George, for for coming on. Absolutely. You know where I live. You know how to reach me. (laughs) Uh, And it's, it's always great to take part in these episodes and share my insight. And again, I see things a little differently now thanks to you and it's fascinating to to go in because since I do photography or I work in production or with lighting Mm -hmm. I see it through that lens but now I get another side of it that I would not have gotten before well lighting and costuming are very important I was gonna say hand in hand really yeah because if something isn't lit right it could make or break your entire look i've had that happen to me in college and the people that know me very well know this story oh yeah i I can picture it in my head oh gosh that was so bad but um yeah so and maybe that's like the symbolism for our relationship just lighting and costuming going going together like peanut butter and jelly like pizza and a garlic knot Oh, I'm getting hungry. Yeah, I know, me too. <laughs> All right, well, thank you as always for joining us. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at To Die For Podcast. That's D Y E. And on Twitter at Die Podcast. And the next time you go into your closet, remember that your pieces could also be to die for. Mm-hmm.